Now, I, I'm 25 years old, and over the past 25 years, I've figured out some things that I'm really bad at in life and some things that are really good, but I figured that I don't want to be bragging about myself. So what I want to do is I want to discuss some of the things that I'm bad at or I would be considered weak at. And so one of those things that I'm really weak at, which you guys figured out on Sunday, is that I'm, I'm bad at tennis, y'all. <laughs> It's not good. Pastor Jonathan came up here, brought me up to this stage right here, and he absolutely roasted me. He talked about how we've been playing tennis for like five, six, seven years now, and I've lost like 300, 400 matches in a row. Now, he also did mention, which I will give him credit for, that I'd finally beat him about two and a half months ago, but he, would ne but he neglected to mention, hold your applause, hold your applause, I beat him twice in a row a couple months ago. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, and I proceeded to lose every match since then again, so I'm back on my losing streak. And so I just, I'm really weak at tennis. I, sometimes I don't have the mental fortitude to, to beat him. I start getting weak in the mind, and that messes with my shot. And uh, I remember vividly one time, I was up six to nothing on him, and which is in games, I had one more game to win, and I ended up losing eight to six. I blew the lead absolutely, and I, I, couldn't, I couldn't live it down for the next few weeks. Uh, another thing that I'm really weak at is um, I'm weak at being a wingman. Um, for those of you who don't know what a wingman is, I'm really bad at helping people get with other people. Uh, when I was in high school, I tried to hook up my buddy Grant. It was Halloween, and we were going trick-or-treating and I know some of you guys think that's a sin. That was my past life, and I'm in a, I'm in a new life now. Um, but uh, we were going trick-or-treating, and he came up to me, and he was like, AJ, 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 what do you think I, do you think I should ask this girl out? And I was like, yeah, bro, the worst she could do is say no, which how many of you know, no is a really, really, really bad thing to experience. And so me and my buddy Steven, we say, hey, listen, the worst she could do is say is no. You, you don't have to worry about anything. Just go ask her. You'll be all right. Like, you got this. We believe in you, man. So he sent him off to go ask her out. And uh, he comes back, and he's like, he's messed up. He's emotionally distraught. He was like, she said no. And we were like, no is a pretty bad answer for that. So I'm really bad at being a wingman. I did this similar thing recently, like two years ago, with a couple in our youth group. It was really disappointing. Um, and so I sent a guy to go and ask a girl out. I thought the girl that had had liked him because of some things that he had said to me about her, um, some text messages and stuff, and he apparently lied to me, and I just created a mess out of it because I, I was just, I didn't have all the information. So I'm really bad at being a wingman. And finally, um, one thing that I'm really weak at, which I discovered after I graduated high school, uh, which kind of goes in the mix with the wingman thing, is I'm really bad at talking to girls, especially new girls. There was this time we went to a bridge event uh, down in Columbus, Texas, and I was admiring this girl from afar. I was like, this girl is so beautiful. Like, I, man, I, I don't know where she lives or anything like that, but I, I'm admiring her. I think she's beautiful. And um, man, what would I do if I had the chance to talk to her? And so we go to service that night, and I'm still admiring her. Well, she sits down right in front of me, and I don't think anything of it. I'm like, you know, I'm not going to say anything. It's, you know, it's, it's cool. I'm not going to do anything with it. Later that night, they do the, that thing where it's like new people everywhere. They're like, all right, everybody stand up and meet the person behind you, next to you, and all that stuff. And so um, I'm not thinking about the fact that she's still in front of me. She turns down, looks me square in the face, and she says, hi, my name's Emily. And she shakes my hand. And I looked at her square, then the face dead. I said, thank you. <laughs> and I stared at her. I stared at her for like two or three seconds. I didn't know what to do after that moment. I didn't know how to recover. Pastor Jonathan and a few of my friends witnessed this happen. They see me sitting there, and they're busting out laughing in the row right next to me. And that began a long string of, of occasions where 
Um, I just struggle to talk to girls, so I just don't talk to new girls anymore, so I don't put myself through that pain. Um, so those are things that I am pretty weak at. Um, and you may be like, why is this guy mentioning some silly stuff that he's weak at? Why? What's the point of this? And if I'm being completely honest with you today, I know that I'm not the only one who has weakness in my life, not silly weaknesses like that, not things that I'm bad at that are, that are not necessarily serious, but we all in this room, if I'm being serious, we all have weaknesses that we struggle with and that we deal with in our life. And so I know that some of us tonight, we walked in and we have the weakness of we don't, we don't have peace in our life. We struggle with stress and anxiety, and we struggle with the constant pressures and demands of life, and you, and you don't know when you're going to feel that peace again. I know that some people have walked in with actual physical weakness. You don't, you're tired all the time. You don't have energy. You don't know how to get energy. Uh, physical illness, you're sick all the time, and things that steal uh, your physical energy away from you. I know that some of us have even walked in, in in these terrible financial situations, and you feel like you have been fighting to, to get on the plus side of your financial situation for a long time, but you can't get on top. You're constantly in the situation of weakness when it comes to your finances. Or maybe you're insecure and you have a poor self-image. You don't have the self-confidence that you should have. And so tonight, what I want to do is, and I could go on about different areas where we experience weakness and have been experiencing weaknesses for months, weeks, even maybe years in your life. I could do that. But I know that we all struggle with some form of weakness. But in the middle of all the weakness, I've got good news for us. Thankfully, God is not up in heaven, and he's not like, oh, goodness, look at these, look at all these weak and imperfect people down there. P Peter, how am I ever going to use some of these people? They're all weak. They're, I, can't, I can't use these people. What do, I, what do I do with people who are, are weak and imperfect? He, he, doesn't act, he doesn't say that at all. Instead, he has a completely contradictory reaction than what I just gave to you guys. So, tonight I want to discuss a few things. Number one, how does God view us in our weakness? Number two, how should we as believers view our weakness? How, how should we view the areas of our life where we are just, we feel like we're never going to get out of it? And the third one is, what are we supposed to do when we identify an area of weakness in our life? And so in order to answer those questions, if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And so here in this passage, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and this topic of weakness comes up in Paul's writing. And so we're going to read the whole passage uh, of covering 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 10, and I want to break down what Paul is writing to us and what the Holy Spirit is writing to us in this passage. So 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10 says this, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. We'll discuss what that thorn is in just a moment. Three times I pleaded, in other words, three times he emotionally, he went to the Lord and he emotionally, he pleaded out to the Father. He said, please help me. Please take this away from me. Please get this weakness, this thorn out of my life. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul goes on to say, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 
So in this passage, we see this interesting visual that Paul uses where he's talking about a thorn in the flesh. And I kind of want us to get a visual of what this is. So he's talking about these things right here, which you guys all have visuals of what a thorn is. And a lot of times we imagine them as really tiny. But these, these are some of the thorns that you'll see back here in the woods behind the church. And one year we were playing... Uh, after the Rapture, which is a game that we play at Fall Retreat. It's pretty much like hide-and-go-seek in the dark, but on steroids. It's crazy. And uh, we couldn't play it at Fall Retreat because it had poured the whole time, so we played it here. And we figured out it was a really bad idea because people were running back there, and one girl was running away from Pastor Jonathan when he uh, won one of the rounds. And as she was running, her hair got yanked back and caught in one of these thorn branches back there behind the church. And we had other experiences like that, and we were like, okay, Bad idea, we are never ever going to be doing after the rapture back there again because these thorns, uh, the thorns were, were too big and too great. And now, what I want you to imagine is, uh, is Paul says this is what was in his side. Could you imagine the pain of, of experiencing a, a thorn in your side? This is what he equates his weakness to. He says, the weakness I'm facing, the weakness I'm experiencing is like this thing is being stuck in my side and I asked the Lord to take it away from me, but he didn't which is interesting. But one thing that, some things that the theologians say the thorn is, is they say that the thorn could be blindness. Uh, there are multiple uh, passages in scripture or verses in scripture where Paul says, if you would have given me your eyes, I know you would have. He's talking to a church because he, he can't see very well. And then he goes on to say, in Galatians, look at what large letters I write with. And he writes with large letters because he can't see super well. So people, some people think the thorn in his flesh is that. Other people think that the thorn is that it's, persecution and hardships. He's facing it all the time. If you read through the, the, uh, Paul's letters in the book of Acts, Paul goes through a lot. He has a whole discourse where he's like, listen, I've been shipwrecked. I've been naked. I've been all these other things. I don't know why the naked one came to mind there. Um, but he's like, I've been all these things. I've, gone, I've been beaten with rods, stoned, all this stuff. And he's been through it. People believe that. And I'm not really here to discuss what the thorn is. Um, but one thing that I am here to make a point of is the thorn is not sin. It is not a sin in his life. And what I want us to understand is that God would not deny him taking a sin out of his life. Because what we need to understand is that the enemy is going to try to deceive us in this passage. Where we're going to get this idea that, okay, uh, Paul pleaded three times that this storm would be out. What if it's a sin in his life that the Lord doesn't want to take out? That's not the case at all. Don't let the devil lie to you on that. There is no place for sin in the life of a Christian. Now, now, do we do it sometimes? Yeah, it happens. We're all imperfect. We're all people who struggle. We are in, the, in Adam's race, as the Bible says. And so we're going to struggle with sin, but we need to limit sin as much as possible. And God does not want sin in your life. So it, don't fall into the deception that the thorn that Paul dealt with is a sin because God doesn't want sin in your lives. Um, in the very next chapter, or in the, sorry, in the same chapter, I can prove that it's not uh, a sin because he goes on to say in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 20 through 21, he says this, Paul writes, For I am afraid that when I come, I may not find you as I want you to be, and you may not find me as you want me to be. I fear that there may be discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. I am afraid that when I come again, my God will humble me before you, and I will be grieved over many who have sinned earlier and have not repented of the impurity, sexual sin, and debauchery in which they have indulged. So here he's saying, you haven't repented of your sin. And 
Pastor Jonathan described on Sunday that when you repent, you are changing your mind. You're going one way. You, you're believing that sin is okay. And once you repent, you're saying, okay, nope, sin is not okay. I'm going to go in a new direction. I'm going to go in a direction that honors God and aligns with his will. And, and so in the very same chapter, we see that this is, this is not a sin that Paul is struggling with. This is a weakness that he's dealing with. And is sin a weakness? Yes. But this, is not, this weakness that Paul's dealing with is not a sin that is referenced here. So, now that we've covered what the thorn is and what it is not, let's get into addressing uh, the three questions I mentioned earlier. Um, with each of these three questions, the way I want to frame it is, is that I, I want to cover a lie, a lie that the enemy gives to us in regards to these questions that a lot of us believe. And the reason why I want to talk about it is because the devil's native language is in lying and deceiving. And, and so I think that a lot of us, we feel, or we get deceived in the area of the weaknesses of our lives, and we start believing things that the enemy and that the world feeds to us about these weaknesses that we face. And then after I uncover the lie that the enemy is trying to feed us through these weaknesses, I want to give you guys the truth, and I'll be telling you guys some stories from my life along the way as we do that. So question number one is this. How does God view our weakness? How does God view our weakness? And, and the lie that the, the enemy often tells us is that God loves you less because he is ashamed of your weakness. And because, because of this, he condemns you. And you, you're not called to fulfill your purpose. You're not qualified to, to fulfill your purpose. This is something that I've struggled with for a long time because I, I have been weak in the area of believing that I'm called and qualified to do ministry. Uh, I've been told many a times that over the years that I'm called to be a pastor and to, to be uh, preaching the God, to preaching the word to, to God's people. And I remember very vividly one time we were at camp, it was my first year, I had just given my life to the Lord and a lady who used to come to our church, who I trusted very much and who was a leader, uh, she comes over to me and she prophesies over me that I'm going to be a, a pastor. And mind you, I had just given my life to the Lord and I was like, Okay, and in my mind, I was thinking, lady, you got the wrong dude. Like, I, I just gave my life to the Lord, and you're telling me that I'm going to be a pastor and that I'm going to preach to, to all these people? And I've received this word, this, this prophecy, four, five, six times since then. And each time, I've had this, this thought that there's no way it could be me. There, and this is a weakness that I have to face in my life. And the reason why I keep believing that I, I'm not called or qualified is because I don't have the understanding that my weaknesses do not keep me from the calling that God has, has given me in my life. Right. Sin, sin will keep you from fulfilling the calling, but your weaknesses will not keep you from fulfilling the calling in your life. So here's the truth. God views our weaknesses as an opportunity to strengthen us by his power and as an opportunity for his glory to shine through us as he strengthens us. Jesus doesn't love us any less because of our weakness. Jesus doesn't eliminate you from your calling because you are weak in an area. No, this is an opportunity that Jesus sees us and he says, goodness, this is an opportunity for my glory to shine through this person. This is an opportunity for this person to press into me. And this is an opportunity for my, for my power to shine through them, which will turn into that person's testimony and will eventually lead to people, if they share their testimony, giving their life to the Lord. Now, there's a verse that I love, and it's in Romans chapter 8, verses 38 through 39, and Paul again writes this. He says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, anything else in all creation, 
will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Don't fall into the enemy's lie that because you're weak in a certain area of your life, because you continue to struggle with insecurities or depression or financial burden, you don't believe the lie of the enemy that God loves you any less because you're going through that. No, God says, here, let me help you with that. Because I, God knows that if he steps into that situation, if you'll just ask him to step into that situation, he can turn it all around for your good and you're going to see blessing in your life and you're going to be closer to the Lord because of it. Amen. The second question that I asked earlier is this, how should we view our weakness as, as believers, as people uh, of God? And, and this is the lie that the enemy is going to tell us. Your weakness is something that you'll never overcome. You've struggled with it for years, and you'll continue to struggle with it. You've been in this, you've created this habit, you've created this cycle of saying you're going to get over it, saying you're going to get on top of it, and you never do. And you're just going to be stuck there for your entire life. God doesn't care about your weakness. He, he would have set you free years ago if, if he cared about your weakness. And this is the lie that the enemy tells us. And the truth is, God cares about your weakness and will be your strength if you call upon him to help you in your weakness. Now here's the deal. I would love to say that all of us have identified our weaknesses and that we've all prayed that the Lord would take it away. But I know that a lot of us just settle in our weakness and we don't ask for God to take it away. Maybe it's because you've prayed once over it and it wasn't taken away. It says in the, in the passage that we read that Paul pleaded three times, three times that the Lord would take it away. And each time the Lord told him, my grace is sufficient for you, my power is perfected in your weakness. A lot of us, will just spend five minutes in prayer and we'll be like, oh, God didn't do anything. I guess I should just, you know, give up on my weakness ever being solved or the Lord being my strength in the middle of my weakness. And we, we have settled for what I like to call fast food Christianity. What I mean by that is we treat prayer like we're going through a McDonald's drive through and so we throw up these prayers to the Lord where it's like, okay, Lord, help me in this situation, and that's all we do. That's all we say is help me in this situation, and we leave it there again, and maybe you go back to praying to him again, and you say, Lord, help me with this situation, and nothing happens. When Paul says he pleaded, I think what he means is he got alone, and he prayed for two or three or four hours, three different times to try and be set free. And even after the Lord told him, hey, no, listen, like I, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm not going to take this thorn away. You're gonna, my power is going to be perfected in your weakness. He said, mm-mm, that's not good enough for me. I'm going to go back and pray again and hope that I get a different answer. And so a lot of us, we don't even wait for an answer. We'll throw up a prayer for five minutes, not even sometimes, and we'll be like, why has nothing happened in my life? The reason is, is because we're not committed to praying about the weaknesses in our life and seeing God's power work through us in that weakness so that our weaknesses can be turned around for good and serve as a testimony to others. So what I want to get with this, where I want to get with this question is, is that the enemy has us deceived in the area of fast food Christianity. We think that we can just throw up prayers. We think that we can just uh, show up to church once or twice a week and that's it. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Showing up to church once or twice a week is not good enough. You have to have personal alone time, time in your prayer closet with the Lord, time set aside where you worship him. And I, I understand that we have busy schedules and that we have things in our life that are keeping us from doing that. But listen, the Lord is the most important thing that you could ever put first in your life. Amen. So when you wake up, pray to the Lord. Tell him about you. Ask him to, to guide you in your day. And while you're doing it, talk about your weakness to him. God cares about your weakness. Don't fall into this deception that God doesn't care about your weaknesses because he does. 
So, so talk to him about it. Spend time with him each day. If you just show up to church twice a week, listen, God can absolutely do something through that. I'm not denying that. I, I've seen it happen with people. But the more time you spend with the Lord, the more power that you're going to see in his life that comes from him and the more blessing that you're going to see in your life that comes from him. So spend alone time with the Lord. And so here is the, the final question that we asked, uh, which is this. What do we do with our weakness. Now, the line in this one is kind of similar to the last one that we talked about, which the enemy tells us. He says, you're just going to have to live with it. You're just going to have to cope with your weakness for the rest of your life. You're going to have to struggle and strive through life as, as you go through each day of your life. And so we fall into this lie again that, that this is just something that we're going to deal with, and this is just something that, that the Lord has just abandoned us to go through. And here's the truth about that. You can overcome by asking the Lord to be the strength where you can't be. So in areas where you've tried in your own power, in areas where you have given it your all, where you have, in your own strength, tried to overcome this weakness, and you can't do it, this is where you know, okay, it's time for me to ask the Lord to come into this area of my life and for him to do an overhaul in this area. You can ask the Lord to be strong where otherwise without him you would have been weak. So, so what do we do with this information about this weakness? And what, how do we move forward with the weaknesses that are present in our life? I'm going to give you three simple steps. And then we're going to have a time of altar after that. Because I do believe that the Lord wants to work powerfully in us tonight. The first step that we do to overcoming our weakness is this. You have to identify the weakness. Now, some of us have an awareness of what our weaknesses are, but we also have blind spots in our life where we're not necessarily aware of all our weaknesses. A good person to ask, and you can go up to them and be like, honey, tell me in as much love, but with as much truth as possible, what are some weaknesses in my life? And try to avoid the arguments as much as possible and see it as them helping you. But there, like, what I'm saying is there are blind spots in our life, and we need to be able to identify our weaknesses that we're facing. If you have a leader or an accountability partner or somebody that has permission to speak into your life, which everybody should have, you need to go to them and be like, hey, um, I'm thankful that you tell me of all the areas where I've been doing well, but what are some areas where I'm weak, where maybe I haven't been doing so well that the Lord can step in and do a work in and where his strength can shine through me? You have to identify the weakness in your life. Number two is you need to ask. Ask for what? You need to ask the Lord for the Lord to strengthen you in your weakness. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, it says this. I'm going to go back to it. He says, but he, Jesus, said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. If you ask the Lord to be the strength in your weakness, he's not going to tell you no. He's not going to deny you the strength that he's going to give you. He gave Paul the strength that while he had this thorn in his flesh, he gave Paul the strength and it, to overcome that weakness. Not, well, not necessarily overcome, but to live with that weakness and for that glory that the Lord was working in him to shine through him because he left Paul with the thorn. It says he wasn't going to take it away. But we can overcome that by asking the Lord to strengthen us. And I already spent a lot of time on that, talking about fast food Christianity and other things like that. But I, I want to add one thing. It says in, in the Bible that if God died for you, if Jesus died for you, if Jesus sent his only son to die for you, how much more would he do for us, for those who believe in him? Jesus didn't just die for us to have salvation and to, to um, 
enter into the kingdom of God one day. We are already living in the kingdom of God. Eternity starts the moment that you give your life to Christ, at least eternity with God. And, and so what God wants us to do is, as his, as with him being our king, what God wants us to do is to go to him as if he were our actual king. Kings provide and they protect. And so if you have a weakness in your life, God wants to provide you with the strength to overcome. And he wants to protect you from the weaknesses that may otherwise derail you in your life or keep you from putting all of your faith in him. And finally, number three, you have to boast about the Lord's strength in your life. And I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10 again. It says this, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You can tell people what you're good at, and you can tell people um, all your successes in life, but it would be much more beneficial for you to go and tell them, hey, I was weak in this area. I struggled with depression, but the Lord set me free. And what is going to trigger in their mind is they're going to be like, how did, how did he do that? He, he cares about us that way. He cares enough about us to, to set us free from our depression. People have this view of Christianity that it's just rules and that it's just, okay, Jesus died for us and what's next? They don't know about life in the kingdom. They don't know about the, the access that we have to the power that the Lord wants to give us. And, and so we have to boast in our weaknesses. And the reason why we boast in our weaknesses is because we all have a story where we were weak, where we weren't saved, and then we were saved. Then after salvation, there are things that happen along the way that the Lord has done in our lives as believers. And those are super important. Those are things that you can use to evangelize to the lost and strengthen and encourage those who are in your small group or, or those who you are in a prayer group with. These are super important. It's better for us to talk about the things that we're weak in that the Lord is strengthening, that the Lord has strengthened us in than to talk about just the things that we can do naturally on our own because the glory doesn't shine on us, then the glory shines on him. And that's what it's all about. 